So, Dr. Eddie Moore Jr., tell me, this is the 22nd year of the White Privilege Conference. How does that feel? Oh, it feels amazing. Uh, it's an unusual year because this will be our first uh, virtual conference. But to know that we've been going 22 years, it feels pretty amazing. Tell me more about the conference's history and what it looks like now. Yeah, I mean, the real catalyst of the conference is advanced diversity work. I felt like in the early parts of my career, there wasn't really a a, a kind of um, CrossFit diversity, a rigorous kind of diversity setting to push us beyond diversity and inclusion. And so that was really the catalyst of creating the White Privilege Conference, particularly for educators, is to provide a space. Once you go beyond diversity 101, 201, you need to keep growing. You need to keep being pushed and challenged. And that was really the goal. And now, you know, today the conference is really expanded and not only in its attendance of educators, but also people from all kinds of uh, sectors of the community. And in addition to that, we really make a concentrated effort to look at privilege comprehensively. So we're not just looking at white privilege, even though it's called the White Privilege Conference. We argue everybody's got privilege, we're just affected by it in very different ways. And so today we really work hard to have comprehensive voices examining white supremacy, white privilege, and all forms of oppression. Well, one of the things I'd like to mention about the conference that's really important is it's not a conference just for white people. Sometimes people are confused by the title or they think it's a conference for white supremacists. And it's not that either. This is a conference designed to challenge all of us around the issues of white supremacy, white privilege, and other forms of oppression. We argue everybody's got privilege. We're just impacted by it in very different ways. And now what's happening is every year, the conference is different. We have a different theme. We have different speakers. I mean, we have some of the sp same speakers that come every year, but because of the diversity of privilege and intersectionality that's uh, cemented in the curriculum, uh, we have a diverse group of people always presenting about privilege in a variety of ways. This year, I'm really excited because our theme is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but from a woman's perspective. And so we have an all women's lineup in reference to our keynotes, uh, Dr. Fatima uh, Stanford, uh, Dr. Robin D'Angelo, uh, Dr. Uh, Joy DeGruy, and uh, Linda Sarsour. And so we have a phenomenal lineup and we're really excited about this year's uh, 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 gathering. This is our first virtual white privilege conference, and it's going to be April uh, 7 through 10. April 7th is our all-day institutes for people who want to just come for a few hours of learning, like four to six hours, and can't make the whole conference. I'm sorry, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, everybody can come for the whole conference. I know as a student how much this impacted the way that I viewed the world. And I worked for you for three years of the conference while I was in, at Central and Pella. 
and um, it's really made a long and lasting impact. I'm so glad that this is still happening. I'm glad that it's gone virtual to an extent because more people will have access to these wonderful teachers and speakers and um, the community that kind of comes around the energy of this work. So thank you so much for holding space for all these people. The uh, registration fees, we try to stagger and make sure everybody has access. Our motto is um, uh, uh, we never want money to stop people from attending. So we work with people no matter what their financial situation. Uh, but again, as uh, I mentioned, we have, yeah, corporate, we have education, we have uh, nonprofit folks, we have community folks, we have parents, we have students, we have teachers. I mean, it is a great gathering of diverse folks. And um, I mean, you're a great testimony because uh, a lot of times I wonder, is this conference really having a positive impact? Does it really work? And so as the planner, uh, just like any teacher, educator, parent, you never know if your lesson is working. So I just want to say thank you to you for, I mean, just coming full circle. Here we are, you being a part of the conference early in your early years. And um, now here you are interviewing me for some of the work you're doing. Really to talk to your audience about the conference. And it just means a lot. So I want to say to you, I'm proud of you, sister. And I'm looking forward to continuing to inspire more good trouble over the next 25 years. Eddie, so good to hear your voice. And thank you uh, for your time today. And we'll look for you online at the Privilege Institute, or you can Google White Privilege Conference, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And um, yeah, they can uh, find all the information they need about uh, the registration, which uh, is open now, I should say. The registration is open now. And so all the information about the speakers, about the workshops, you can find on both those websites. All right. Well, thank you for your time today and good luck with all the preparations before the conference. I appreciate you. Peace. <laughs> Hello, people of Earth. Welcome. Welcome to Inspired Astrology with Lauren K. Hickman. Today is the 24th of February when I'm recording this. And I tell you what, I am feeling very raw. Uh, this started to kick in last night, just verge of tears, kind of emotional feelings, um, almost like a slightly altered state of being. I don't know if anyone else out there is experiencing this. <laughs> I mean, it's really easy to say, oh, it's Pisces season. We're just feeling things. We're really kind of like dripping and melting into that state of all that is, you know, this uh, gooeyness that comes with melding and molding. Um, I, you know, a big part of stepping out of Aquarius season, that sort of like over logical, thinky, uh, pragmatic sort of function is to step into the feeling body, into the emotions, into the internal compass, as I say, um, the sensors inside of us. I was just reading Ryan Evans' blog. You'll hear about Ryan Evans on the uh, podcast interview today. And he was writing about Mars trine Pluto. Uh, that's kind of the lineup for today, you know, of Mars at the end degrees of Taurus, trying Pluto in the final degrees of Capricorn. Pluto moves very slowly, so 
it will be in Capricorn for a ways longer. And it looks like Mars is going to move into Gemini on March 4th. So uh, hopefully that'll give us a big shift and boost in energy and following our curiosity. Um, but the way that this is is feeling to me, and and to use some of Ryan Evans's analogy, uh, Ryan Evans's is Evans. I don't know how to pronounce that. <laughs> Ryan's work. Uh, you know, he talked about that uh, squares and trines aren't always easy or hard, or hard and easy. Um, sometimes they can be just uh, revealing, and to me, that's what the the Mars. Pluto energy is revealing um, where your energy is directed, how hard you're working. Um, and I have been working my tail off. I feel like I'm in a big creative uh, forward motion at the moment, especially since Mercury went direct. Um, I know I did a lot of dreaming, a lot of processing, a lot of thinking about the types of offerings that I want to bring to my audience, to my clientele. Um, but I am making mistakes along the way and I, you know, misinterpreted an email and, you know, I, I, there's just, there's things that make me feel very human and very raw. And I was raised by a lot of Capricorns in my life and the need to be perfect is very strong. The need to present perfectly rather than doing it messy, all that, um, it's, it's a battle. It is a battle for me and it's it takes a lot of bravery for me to put this work out there because I can't do it perfectly and go on with my life. Um, this is this is a love effort and I, I don't make any income off of doing the podcast. I do this because I want to connect so sincerely with my audience and with people who may not have found me through Instagram, which seems to be such a, a platform um, of escape and interest, lots of things. I'm not going to go there today, but I, I, I'm just, I want you to know that I'm human and I know that you're human and I know that we make mistakes and I want you to give yourself some grace today. I am trying to allow that grace by telling on myself and not turning this into some big monster outside of my control. I think that, um, the person who emailed me, I, uh, you know, I, I messed up and I misinterpreted and I, I want to do better and I, I, I hope that I make it right by doing a great report and having a great follow-up appointment. So um, I know pr- probably that they're on the other end like, what, that was no big deal. And I'm like making it a big deal because my, my service to you is so important um, and I, I shouldn't tie it so much up at my self-worth. And I think that that's something I need to, to meditate on today, to contemplate, consider. Um, self-worth is not tied up in productivity, but honest communication, having integrity in the service and the work that I provide is super important to me. So when I make little mistakes, especially because of tech, tech, damn you. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm doing my best. I miss when people would just like come into kin and just, Hey, like, are you free Thursday? Yeah, I'm three. And I just like pencil it in and now everything's online and, um, very indirect. People don't want to call. They don't want to text me. So it's always through these like third party services that I'm kind of navigating myself. So thank you all for being patient with me during this very big growth period for myself. All right, moving on. <laughs> as one should do. Um, We're in Pisces season. 
We have a full moon coming up this weekend. We have the Mars trine Pluto energy for today. We're out of Mercury retrograde. Uh, we're kind of in the aftershade as one astrologer. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people call it that, but it's cute. So let's think about full moons. Full moons shed light on issues. So what do you want to be revealed? This is the full moon in Virgo falling on Saturday, the 27th of February at 2.17 a.m. So uh, I would suggest doing any ceremonies or rituals that are part of your routine on Friday evening um, as we're meeting that peak point. And hopefully Saturday will provide some sort of uh, information. So I think set the intention, set the tone Friday night, and then move into that Saturday morning. 2.17 a.m. is Central Standard Time, so if you need to uh, add or subtract some hours to that, please do so based on your location. So we're Pisces season. Let's talk about some of those contrasts because we're looking for a balance here. The Sun and Venus are both going to be in Pisces. Neptune is still there, moving very slowly through its own home sign. But the conjunction between Venus and the Sun is really highlighting these ideas of self-worth, of value. Um, And I think that that money, I think money and stuff is going to be part of of this moon energy. Um, I don't talk a lot about money because uh, it's a touchy subject. Um, But I think that it's worth bringing up in the moment just because I've been doing so much work around money. Um, I just finished the book, The Art of Asking, last week and then did a workbook called Overcoming Under-Earning. I have been doing some existential kink exercises from holisticism um, on my fears and attachments around money. And I think that uh, I, I really value these exercises, kind of considering what my first experiences were with money, what money means to me, how it energetically impacts my thinking, um, what cultural standards and societal standards have I been, I guess, taking in, consuming subconsciously that are preventing me from having a better relationship with money. Right, And you can take me out of the equation and put yourself into those questions and that framework. Um, I think that you know when you're when you think of money as something abstract rather than an energy or an exchange, um, I think that there's a lot of stuff that comes up with self-worth. And I, that's that's where I'm experiencing this, and that's where the full moon energy is kind of clicking into gear uh, this this weekend because it's all second and eighth house stuff from where I stand, and with the Venus impact there, with Virgo, with Pisces there, um, I have a hard time receiving money. I am always undervaluing myself, um, and I I had to I had to do some confrontation with that this week last couple of weeks. Um, I give away so much of myself. I give away so much of my service, my freedom, my conversations, my time, um, because I'm just, I just pour out. I just love helping people and I can't feed myself on free free writing, free stuff. Um, so I'm, I'm having to do some work around that for myself to create boundaries. And, 
Um, if you're a service practitioner out there doing the kind of work I'm doing, I encourage you to, to honor that process. Uh, it's appealing back. And for me, it's really, I'm picking a direction. I'm moving towards that. I'm engaging with that and I'm expanding my offerings. Uh, I, I had a long talk with my good friend Katie the other night and she described me as a spiritual doula. And just this last week I went, I was, had a lot of Pisces insight waking up in the morning thinking about what other kinds of tools I can offer my clients because Reiki is very specific, astrology is very specific, but also very abstract. Um, they can both be very helpful, but there are also teaching tools that I can offer to people on an individual level so that you can do this work on your your own, that you don't need somebody outside of you and you don't need astrology because you're working on your intuitive engagement, you're working on your perceptual engagement, you're working on your wisdom, your meditation practice, your energy practices. So I, I kind of burst through in this moment last Friday, you know, I woke up at 4.30 a.m. and just was up writing, up and filling out worksheets and, and taking notes and kind of considering what these next steps are and how I can provide more work for you, <laughs> that I can't be your crutch. I want you to, to take the wheel. I want your soul to take the wheel. I, would, I wish for you to have the experience of soul as pilot more than anything. Um, but with claiming that information, claiming this new role as a teacher, I have to sort of take that label. I have to take that mantle on. And in the interview today, Shana, who's my best friend for 20 years, um, you know, she, she even touches in on how, um, how much that I give credit to my teachers and to my lineage and the, the humility, as she described it, in the, in the way that I move. And I really want to be, I want to be brave for, for you. I want to be brave for myself. I want to be able to step into harder positions, things that push me further, that make me stretch um, so I can grow, that I'm in a process just as I'm trying to assist you in yours, you know, through this podcast, through bookings and readings, through written reports, um, things are going to change. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm comfortable with that. And that kind of leads us into the next conversation um, with this this full moon. M the moon is going to be trine Uranus, and Uranus is that uh, constant of change. So this should be a smooth shift, bringing in change into your life. And so this week should be really about consideration. How can I surrender? How can I make decisions? That's the Pisces-Virgo dynamic. You know, Pisces loves to blend and connect and feel and move. And Virgo's really good about details and making a decision and being adaptable, moving through. So what are you working on? What kind of grounding and rituals will be assistive to you right now? Um, new business, new direction, new routine, new way of working with resource, right? Um, it's, it's really going to be a great energy this week. So we do have, um, you know, Saturn and Jupiter moving farther apart and um, Mercury is conjunct Jupiter this week in Aquarius. Um, I think that, I think that there's like this manifestation quality with, with Jupiter and Mercury, you know, where we're getting outside the box 
You know, we're, we're, we're doing a lot of thinking, you know, with Mercury still in Aquarius, it's very thinking, long form thoughts. Um, it's not really a time for making something is how I would describe it. So I would, I would do some, some writing. I would do some free form thinking to use that term to really kind of let things lay out. Um, but allow yourself to kind of get some bigger insights to kind of expand into that space um, to get into rational mind and see the bigger picture to, to know what the next steps are for you. I'll be writing more about the full moon in Virgo this week. You can find that um, on Instagram uh, later this week. I like to do little stories with pictures and um, it's, it's kind of a fun way to digest the report. So do not miss out on that because they only get logged up for 24 hours and then I put them um, in the archive. So full moon in Virgo. Woohoo! Don't get too hard on yourself. Um, you heard a promo for the White Privilege Conference. That was my friend, uh, Dr. Eddie Moore Jr. that I met back at Central College in Pella. Uh, do look that up. Do let your organizations, corporations, if you're involved with education and schools, do get in touch. Uh, the conference is like a, just a little over a month out. So important time to get that on the schedule. Uh, if if uh, anti-racist work is part of your, your dharma, your path, the things that you do. Shana Meshbesher, ladies and gentlemen, she is DJ Slim at WDRT in Viroqua. Uh, she is a magical, magical human being. We've been dear, dear friends for 20 years, kind of traipsing back and forth across the country, across the globe, experiencing one another. And um, I mean, we've just been tethered for so long in such a beautiful and gentle way. So we have a long conversation about uh, her experience as a... Pisces Aquarius cusp. So she's got both of those energies and a Libra rising Virgo moon, um, all very appropriate to the energy we're talking about this week. It is a longer conversation. So feel free to speed it up to two times on your app if you want to hear it faster. But uh, the pacing is so lucid and gorgeous. Sheena's storytelling abilities are are beyond. They're just beyond. I love listening to her rap on things and kind of take it to dramatics and details and big picture. Uh, such a great conversation with her. Um, her experience growing up in, you know, Viroqua, Wisconsin, uh, being a dreamer, traveler, a creative, um, music is part of her life. Uh, but really a lot of her, her story surrounds her experience with her family. Uh, she grew up with a father that uh, was later on in life. I think that he was in his 50s or older when she was born. And uh, later in his life and around um, when he was 80, Shana gave him a kidney. That's love. That's devotion right there. And her experience being a devoted person um, and I think that she has a lot to offer and share. So I hope that you will enjoy the, this interview with Shana Meshbesher. The Kind Oasis brand was created with the belief that premium organic CBD should be affordable and accessible to those who need it most. As someone who has used hemp-derived CBD to support my own wellness, I have to say, I really like this product. Their tincture is simple, a full spectrum CBD and fractionated coconut oil. That's it. 
They also have potent homemade gummies that are a delight, and the CBD is available in capsules or in a topical balm. Go to kindoasis.com and use offer code Inspired Astrology to get 20% off your order. Yay, we're here. We made it. <laughs> we made it. So you, I mean, you grew up in the Viroqua area in Chaseburg. Um, like how, I, I don't know, you've, you've lived in other cities and other countries for a while, and you've been back in Viroqua for almost a decade. How has that been for you? Woof. Gosh, you put it in, in terms of decade, and it's kind of um, leaves me spinning a little bit, I guess. Um, so right out the gates, I'm going to just call it. I'm about to turn 40, and um, being back here this long was not my intention, although it's it feels solid. It feels like it's the first place as an adult I've put roots in. And it's so funny because here is where my roots come from. But in all honesty, I didn't know I was ready to uh, plant myself a little bit until I came back. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, about uh, just over, well, what, gosh, 2008, 2009-ish. It was like definitely my um, Saturn return-ish time. I came back uh, to take care of my ailing parents. And um, yeah, I hope you don't mind. I'll just expound on that for a hot second. Please I, do. I, I had visions all along as a small kiddo, not of what my wedding day would look like, not how many children I was going to have all lined up in a row. Not really any of my possessions that I would own in life. You know, people have visions of these things as kids. And the only visions I had were all the cool places I would live and taking care of my parents as they got so old that they couldn't care for themselves anymore. And uh, that was my vision as a little kid, having older parents and being the youngest by youngest sibling by 30 years. So yeah, gosh, I, I, I knew that was going to happen for me. And it, I was the only the only sibling without children out of five of us. And it made sense for me to move back and be the one who just kind of pops over, checks in and, or let my, you know, my dad moved in with me and my partner at the time after, uh, you know, he got out of the hospital back in the day. So Gosh, he spent about a year with us before he moved out on his own, which is where he proceeded to live until he passed away, which was adorable, having a 91-year-old father living as a bachelor. <laughs> but um, yeah, gosh, it, it, it's really a fascinating thing to have accidentally planted myself along the way. And, um, you know, if you're, if you're a, like, Gosh, I'm no green thumb. I can just keep like certain plants alive. I'm sure plenty of people resonate like 
with, oh yeah, I've got these three types and they keep having babies and I've finally figured out how to not, not let them die. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I guess that's kind of accidentally what happened to me here, being rooted and planted you know, I kind of realized what it takes to transplant myself elsewhere. And I, I haven't found reason to do it yet. So therefore I haven't. <laughs> You're in this, this very tight knit community and it's very nourishing. I, yeah. To me, it reminds me of like a very large retreat center and a lot like the small town that we went to college in, except yeah. way, way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, gosh, says the outsider. <laughs> you know, um, there's, uh, it, it's, um, I think, I think any person who, and you know, I don't really like to speak about my different uh, layers of pride that I have, but when I do have pride, I, sp I, I have no problem calling it what it is. And um, you know, I have a love-hate relationship with the pride that I do or do not have with my hometown here that is Viroqua, Wisconsin. Population 4,500-ish, give or take. Um, it's, it, it's, mm, ooh, it's tumultuous. It's, it's really, it's on, it's off, it's yes, it's no. It's right and it's wrong. I mean, the reasons why I moved back were um, I was seeing it become something that I never believed it could originally, which is why when I was younger, uh, zero to 18 years old, I swore no reason for me to ever move back here. This is a small minded, small knit close-minded, often, you know, slice of white bread America, um, and not rural per se, but while it's a city, it feels like a town. And that's not a bad thing, you know, it has its pluses. Uh, but it, it, the, those were the reasons why I swore I'd never move back. And then here I catch myself moving back to care for my parents and be closer to them as they uh, got into their older years before they passed away. When did that, when did you have to grow up, Sheena? Were, were there other incidences when you were a kid that said like, hey, you gotta be a grown up now? <laughs> uh, yeah, gosh, let's, let's peel it apart. I'll try to make it um, listener consumable, but gosh, uh, when I was um, in kindergarten, and my whole sister, and meaning we both have the same parents, she and I were five and seven, turning six and eight years old that year. Um, we were in a car ride with my sister who had just gotten her learner's permit and ended up in a car accident, all of us together. And, um, yeah, I, I, uh, had very minimal damage to my system. They kept, they kept me in the hospital for a couple days while my sister 
who is two years older than me, she had her heart stop uh, twice on the way to the hospital and once while at the hospital. And she was in a coma for, I believe, six days. And uh, they had to operate on her brain. And um, we really do, uh, we're confuddled by all of the circumstantial miracles. We all were a very agnostic but pragmatic family for the most part, uh, quite liberal in our thinking. We, we really all believed that um, our minds could be changed. <laughs> Belief and change aren't always in the same sentence together, but my family did pretty good. Um, so to circle back, uh, my sister ended up having a couple surgeries on her head and they rebuilt her skull with a steel plate, a couple of her ribs and some fat tissue out of her th thigh. And had she been any older or younger, they wouldn't have been able to take part of her bones from her ribs to help rebuild her skull right away. And had it been a week prior or a week after, the world's best neurosurgeon, the world's best neurosurgeon, children's neurosurgeon at that, was at Rochester at the Mayo Clinic in Minnesota. So uh, my sister had that luck to have uh, that neurosurgeon working on her head to bring her back around. And, you know, for like a solid six months there, her ribs would poke out of her forehead just enough that she could snag a sweater. So it was, Whoa. yeah, right. So it was thought that she was going to be a vegetable if she did wake up from the coma. She survived past that point. It was thought that if she woke up, her cognition and behavior would not be normal. Now, to some extent, um, she, whether she agrees with this or not, I would personally say as her younger sister who behaved as the older sister after that uh, car accident, I would say um, she does exhibit some signs of um, almost like Asperger's. And I don't use that lightly because it really felt like I grew up with a sister missing a portion of her right brain because she was. So that's speech skills, uh, language, storytelling, that's emotion, that's creativity. And what we did find was she excelled in mathematics, science, logical reasoning. And when things didn't compute for her, she'd lose it. She'd break down. It was very difficult for her to overcome. But she prevailed the whole time. It was difficult and quite uncomfortable plenty of the, plenty of the times. But um, she is married with two kiddos who are about three years apart. They are both, they're both still under 10 years old. Yeah, so there was that. And it was very evident to me that 
um, I could have a successful relationship with my parents of being accepted by them and my sisters if I just behaved as adult-like as possible, starting at uh, about, about the age of, I had just turned six years old. So um, it's not to say I wasn't a kid and still didn't like to have fun because uh, I did need to sometimes be the comedic relief for my sister who would have meltdowns, um, have a lot of frustration. We, we, we split apart at that point. Uh, I became pretty right brain oriented in life where she was very left brain oriented and, and, you know, I would, I would love to try to claim that it's on account of, you know, um, mm -hmm. almost guiding her along in that which didn't come easy for her. And she did guide me along in certain logical reasoning that I didn't find easy. So, and that didn't really happen more so, like that conclusion didn't really happen more so until past 20 years old. Because I tell you what, pre prior to our pubescent years, or well, I, I prior to our adult years, throughout our pu puberty time, like forget about it. <laughs> we were, we were junk together. We were toxic. We had very, a uh, very tumultuous relationship. She was not cool. I was trying to be cool. I was out to win a popularity contest that I didn't even stand a chance because I don't like being inauthentic. And that's all I was being throughout my career here in this small town at public school. Yeah, you know, I, I think plenty of people who resonate with how it feels to be in a small-minded, small community, it's, it's scary because you have to exist within these norms, but also know what you're willing to like seek out that's outside of that community because it's a lot of effort to actually find anything that you're looking for or find non-dangerous ways that aren't just meeting or hooking up with random kids at other schools or, you know, partaking in drugs with strangers or like, how do you meet other people? How do you get cultured beyond your own small scope of a small town? So um, fortunately my parents, we, we traveled a lot. They let us participate in anything we wanted to. They let us ride it out until we were burnt out and <laughs> Because we lived, uh, it was, you know, it's a 12 minute drive, give or take a couple minutes from the public school out to the country home where I grew up. And that's on a good day. That's on a sunny middle of the day, summer day. And you uh, add rain and gravel roads or sleet, snow, and ice on gravel roads and hillsides. And then on top of it, old parents who have better stuff going on. <laughs> they have full-time occupations and businesses and uh, roles in the community. And um, they, they were in their later part of their life when they, when we were growing up. So 
they had other stuff going on than us that it became a little difficult to understand like dad why am I the last person to be picked up from play practice by 45 minutes and you know what a <laughs> 60 to 68 year old father would say is well there was a good program on PBS and I just wasn't ready to I I, I knew it wasn't going to be back on and I wanted to watch the rest of it I knew you were fine so that's the benefit to living in a small town like this where it's so trustworthy, it's safe. I'm okay to be left to being the last one at the school. But, uh, you know, what a wild ride, always looking at both sides of the coin. I think that's kind of my Libra ascendant, my Libra rising ability to always kind of factor in it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. I've been holding back laughter, Shana. Like, I love the way you tell stories. But, I mean, just to, just to hear you like, oh, and I was the comic relief with the tense yeah. sibling who was having a meltdown. I'm like, I get that. You know, playing the peacekeeper, yes. the, the middleman, you know, always always wanting everything to be nicey-nice and harmonized. Um, but then, you know, the flair for <laughs> dramatic, like to hear you in, you know, theater programs and that you did have all kinds of opportunities and I do, I do want to state that Viroqua is a, it's a pretty progressive community and it has gained a lot of traction, I think, with people looking for rural outings. You know, Wonder State Coffee is based there, which is my very, very, very favorite coffee now. Thank you, Ms. Yes. Sheena. I drink their coffee every day. <laughs> my favorite is the Columbia series. Um, and if you guys want to sponsor my podcast, I would totally be game for that because I <laughs> spend a lot of money with y'all and I'd love to to tell everybody how wonderful yes. the coffee is. Okay, anyway, that yeah, was my little love plug. It. We'll love see what it. happens. <laughs> so Wonder State Coffee is based there, the Viroqua Food Co-op, um, which, you know, that's where you've been employed for some Over time eight now. years. Uh, yeah. Wow. Or Organic Valley um, is in that, that neighborhood. It's not yeah. in Viroqua, but I, I just think being in the landscape that it's in and knowing that the driftless area of Wisconsin, Northern Iowa, parts of Illinois, parts mm -hmm. of Minnesota is a unique geographic yes. landscape um, because of the glacier non-movement. Um, it's so sacred in the driftless driving through it you feel that doing research about it has been incredible just learning learning about how we have something very special here yeah. in the midwest yeah it's uh it's thought of as one of a kind um my dad always loved to dote on the i believe it it was a mm, i was in college so it must have been something like a 2000 no 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 it was like a 1996 article that national geographic did based on a study that they were conducting that basically our driftless region again the corner of four of our states that kind of comes together what happened was uh glaciers got pushed from alaska all the way through during the ice age and for some miraculous reason uh it drifted past us those glaciers that just smeared out the topography of the land and it skipped us or kind of meandered around us, therefore leaving 
the tops of the hillsides at sea level and then some of the the lowest valleys on, like below sea level for the most part so yeah it's it's really uh, um did i finish this thought national geographic concluded it as the top three most richest topsoils in the world on our planet uh there was somewhere in africa somewhere in Shucks, please do not quote me on that, but you could look up National Geographic article. It's going to have some information about um, the richest topsoil in the world from, I believe, somewhere around 1996, 1997, somewhere in there. I think that's something to be proud of. I know growing up in Iowa, we were very proud of the topsoil in the land, which has now been, you know, lots of pesticides yeah. and gross yeah. pig poo. Anyway, but I'm I'm glad that you feel such complicated pride yeah. towards Viroqua. I think it's an amazing community and all of the amazing people yeah. that I've met there. Um, I do want to like, I do want to maybe chat about Ryan Evans at some point because I'd love to fold astrology into this conversation, but there's also this, this relationship with your father, your relationship with travel. Those are all things that I find um, very unique to your drive, both the desire to nest and the desire to fly and go, you know, consume art and culture and landscapes and people and music and art and all the things that you do. That's wonderful. Giddy up. Let's go. I'm, I'm, I'm along for the ride. So that's, I, I love it. So yeah, gosh, let's, let's start with Ryan Evans. Let's do. Um, Ryan Evans studied under Stephen Forrest, astro the astrologer, uh, a key astrologer, if I'm uh, if I've got this correct, in the scope of astrology. Stephen Forrest is his he's like a methodology. Is that correct? I mean, he's kind of the gold standard for when you're working with North Node, South Node stories, when you're working with kind of the algorithms that come with heavier based astrology to, to not just, oh, well, this planet does this and you can blame it on that. Evolutionary astrology asks us to consider our, our potentials, you know, the evolutionary part of that, our potentials, the challenges that we can confront um, to ultimately gain balance and centering in our chart makeup. And, you know, Ryan is very fortunate because Stephen um, being, I don't think he's that old, but like he is, he is up there in years and he has chart readings booked for the next <laughs> decade. Like he, you can if you're going to get on a waiting list, you're waiting until 2030 potentially to have a reading with him directly. So he started to um, send his ambassadors out into the world, like forest astrologers that... Um, he believes in that he has faith that he's trained them well that they are practicing with the the, the same intent um, and I you know most of the astrologers that I've studied with have been students directly of Stephen Forrest but he's no longer taking in-person students and I think I was trying to develop a a larger way to meet yeah. audiences right but Ryan got to go sit at the foot of the master <laughs> is how he described it to me and I, I really wish that I would have had that like five grand to go, <laughs> to go to California right. last year, but it didn't, it didn't happen. Um, <laughs> <damn it. laughs> I know. 
And the opportunity never, but I have all the books I'm looking at in front of me. So anyway, Ryan Evans was based in Viroqua and you got to take some night classes. Oh yeah. Him, it sounds well, like. And you know, we, so I knew him first and foremost as my coworkers partner at the time. And she worked in wellness at the food co-op. Then I extended it beyond and we knew him as a, a the local premier, uh, I mean, stupendous organic flower farmer. So he had this huge chunk of land where he was doing, I'm not quite sure. I don't believe he was a certified organic by a third party um, flower grower, but he grew everything organically. And so he'd be hired out by many a people, many a conference, many a company to create these masterpiece flower mandalas of sorts, both in the grass, in vases, in large tubs, in pails, in, I mean, the scale of what he would create. I'm telling you, what a wonder. So then go beyond it. And he always spoke in these metaphors and symbols and, you know, Gosh, if I'm not mistaken, he was my first toe dip into astrology. And this was before Instagram was big. You know, gosh, 10 years ago, it just like he offered something in a way that so many of us were hungry for. And um, he spoke in symbols, which is easy for so many to understand, it's this very rudimentary way of looking at where language comes from, where uh, the idea of gods and goddesses, you know, got their power and how it relates to our daily life. So then nonetheless, what our solar, solar system is named after and why they carry such weight through the interpretation of astrology. And then Nonetheless, you have this gentle giant uh, blonde Viking guy by the name of Ryan Evans, it just almost like prancing like a woodland fairy who stands like at six foot three, but blonde hair down to his tush. I mean, really, he's almost like a, a Norse god himself with such gentleness that you can't help but wonder like, wow, what is what does this man know? And I tell you, I started dabbling here and there, taking classes from him, but like the way in which he frames evolutionary astrology is really something for all of those beginner listeners who are listening to your podcast, Lauren. I would, I would, I implore them, check out the different ways in which people frame astrology because they're all so different. So don't, don't just follow any Joe Schmo out there. L Lauren, your content is extremely thoughtful, but also quite detail-driven and concise, but also um, sits, it teeters between short and long. And I love that about your written word. You really are a tremendous writer. Whereas some people are out there to almost create a meme and that's okay, but it really does 
sully the waters of maybe what it is that you're really seeking when one seeks out astrology for extra guidance or extra tools to operate in this lifetime. And, you know, gosh, how did you and I get started on Jonah Emerson Bell as well? You sent me a video, <laughs> one of his silly videos, and I said, I have to meet this human being, which I have on sure. the astral plane many a time, yeah. but I have never really <laughs> had a conversation with Jonah outside of Instagram and flattery on my part because I'm like, oh, no. amazing, yes. so funny. Jonah yes. Emerson Bell, we love you. We're both fangirls. So cool. <laughs> yes. So uh, we got started uh, kind of doing this new campaign for him, which was his community supported astrology. And then in learning more about what he does and becoming a little more curious about his services, I ended up taking advantage of his amazing skills. He's got some, he's got some really um, fabulous, but particular Neptunian power to go he, he basically has the ability to show up at a reading and start looking at your chart he doesn't really do any advanced interpretation because he likes to be in the moment and pull the story from the ether but that's his skill as ryan evans but also with evolutionary astrology he does a really remarkable job caring for the message that comes through in a way so that he never interprets what it could mean for you in the future, but he gives you optimistic resolutions that you can arrive on to, to uh, just basically know when, uh, you know, a, a potential fork could be coming in the road. And don't forget, to appreciate it instead of like, well, gosh, this dangerous fork in the road is coming. Like, be careful. You know, he, he's very attuned with what will help guide you towards your spirit's, spirit's highest power. You know, it's best momentum. What is it going to be best used for if you put your energy towards a, for, a certain fork in the road, you know? So I felt that's so right? accurate of his, of his readings. And I, I saw him in, I think 20, I'm mm -hmm. going to say 2018. And I was at a crux, right? I think it was in May. I remember it being nice out. And I was like, I just don't know what I'm doing. I, I feel like I don't know how to make anything work. And he's like, why aren't you making money doing this? Like, why aren't you being an astrologer and a energy worker? Like you're a healer. And I just, I, I, like, I never felt so affirmed. And to, to receive that affirmation about my writing skills, about my interpretation abilities. And when I reached out to him and asked for more mentorship, he said he'd been reading my work and that I didn't need it. I don't think that's necessarily oh. true, but I, I felt like that was, uh, I felt like that was the highest compliment I could receive from someone. Cause I, I mean, I rely so much on that, as you put yeah. it, Neptunian power 
Uh, so I think that, you know, when you have it, you can see it. And um, he's, he's a magical, magical person. Oh, Maybe he'd let would me interview so him so cool. Here. But you know, gosh, I, I guess I, I'm going to just take a, a couple moments. Would you just rope me back in if I get carried away? Okay. But I'm going to just meander for a hot second here. So, um, you know, was that the birthday reading I purchased for you from him that you're speaking of? Yeah. So you were mm -hmm. here, you were visiting mm -hmm. and, um, okay. So you heard it from him and it was kind of this thing that I was not, I was not clear on why you couldn't hear anyone else say it to you, but you, Lauren K. Hickman are so, you, it, it says, it's as if to me, you've been brought into this world to respect your elders and your teachers and your guides with so much gracious humbleness that it's almost incomprehensible for those of us who are not on your level. The way you pay service to your teachers and your, your guides, your mentors, um, it's... It's, um, I won't even dwell on how sad it is that we've lost that in our culture a little bit with that like um, tradesmanship of learning how to do uh, what could seem like menial or blue collar tasks from elders. But I'm telling you, you have it in spades in an astrological way, in a Reiki way in a spiritual way, in an energetic way, in a health way, you have it in spades. And it was, it was not at all surprising to me that neither you nor him were offended when I started utilizing Jonah Emerson Bell's services of astrology and all of a sudden heard things that other people had been saying in different ways. But when I heard it from Jonah, I believed it. It felt different. It was like we were on a different frequency tuned in together that I could just all of a sudden hear it for the first time. He, I won't get into what, what like light bulb exploded due, the, due to the like lightning bolt that he hit me with so calmly and sweetly in a birthday reading that I got from him. But I tell you what, it was, it was a little bit, you didn't seem quite shocked by what Ryan had told you in your reading, but you were doing this humble servant thing again with one of your teachers by saying, oh, I am, I am but a mere student at your foot, the footstep here, you know, just trying to worship your amazing skills uh, with you as a leader, not me as a leader. How do I do this? And he really, he drove it home from many different angles in a way that I was like, See, Lauren, I told you so. I told you you should have been like taking yourself seriously as an artist, as a writer, pretty much whatever it is you want to tackle. Cause you're really, you, you give yourself so fully. And even with our quick meditation that we 
were brought through thanks to your guidance, Lauren, before this. I sort of, you know what? What? That wasn't more than a 15 minute hangout and then a quick like five minute uh, meditation together to just get grounded and be together. And I tell you what, Lauren, you just energetically flossed my whole body. It was like this dirty spiritual towel, just like put it through your brow, breathe in and put it, uh, exhale it out through your crown. It was just this dirty, like, you know, like put it, put a towel between your legs energetically with your mind's eye and just like, yeah, right. it like a cowboy. It was like that towel was just flossing <laughs> my whole self to just be centered and ready to go. And Warren, you just have that skill and you just can't see it from the outside. But uh, uh, anyone listening to this podcast, I, I, I want all of you to know that the the care that Lauren takes into what she does is with such a balance and driven, delicate essence that comes through. It's so evident to find ways in which you have both dedicated yourself to your teachers before you as well as are are privileged enough to have um, to have had the time to connect with um, your spirituality and prioritized your spiritual health so that you could connect with your spirit guides and and the the spirit world that it's very evident you connect with, but also. Um, yeah, you are just such a gem that I urge everyone to to really do their best to support your work because, or just take advantage of your skills because really um, you have the ability, same as Ryan Evans, same as Jonah Emerson Bell, just in a different way. So if they connect, if they're connecting with your podcast right now. I urge all of you beautiful listeners out there, you really should gift yourself one of the kindest self-care opportunities you can, you can gain to connect with Miss Lauren more so that <laughs> you, can, you can understand what it is that I speak of when I speak so highly of that which you offer. Lauren, I love you so much. <laughs> I'm speechless. I feel like the Wonder State plug <laughs> was like nothing compared to that plug. <laughs> Thank you, Shane. Well, you know, it's it's both wow. humbling um, and scary to to wander around as a student in this world and to know like which which teacher do we put our energy into? And you know, Instagram does guide us along the way, but boy, is it full of squirrels. Like, ooh, shiny squirrel, ooh, shiny object over here. Squirrel, squirrel, squirrel. It's really just a dog who loves to chase its own tail, who also loves to play, who also is tired, who also is hungry, who also has to pee. Oh, it has to pee again. You know, it's just like, that's Instagram, man. And I listened to your previous podcast and it was so beautiful. And that, that introduction was like, dang it, I resonate with that because... You really got to dip in and dip back out if you're wanting to stay feeling in sync with yourself, because otherwise so much of your energy gets accidentally leaked 
or turned outward towards that which the rest of the world is creating. And here you find yourself 45 minutes to two hours later, like, wow, I'm going to get out of my phone or my computer device now and re-emerge back into the world. And my point is, is, you know, All it's right. really hard to notice when our energy is leaking outward in, in social media or by just any mere distraction, because we are a little bit, um, you know, our nervous systems are a little bit, they're, they're in a constant state of being fluffed and that's not for the better, <laughs> you know, it's like, <clears throat> they're, they're really perched and wondering, do I go into fight or flight right now? Fight or flight. Oh, wait, freeze. Okay. I'm going to freeze. Okay. It's been a long day. I did, I did good. I'm going to treat myself to a Netflix binge because that's my freeze state and I'm comfortable rejuvenating there. You know, it's, it's, it's very much a new, new energetic climate we're all operating in. And with the dedication that we spend on outwardly guides or teachers or something to get us through, it's, it's scary to know what we should actually offer up a compensation for. And, you know, I think, Lauren, you've maybe described the honoring of the Reiki energy that um, you offer. It really, it does ask that someone uh, pay in return what they are able to honor that Reiki energy that flows through you, thanks to your teachers who have come before you to bring Reiki here and help people work on attuning themselves with this world we operate in. And it's, you know, with, with, with our teacher guides out there, um, you, you have so many innate abilities and I was really nervous when I went to um, Jonah Emerson Bell after this was maybe a year after you had gotten started doing your astrology readings and guides and meditations and services and a proper year after you heard Ryan Evans tell you, yeah, you need to just, just do it. You're ready. You don't need my help. You can keep taking the classes, but you, you get out there, girl, you know? So anyway, I, I rambled again, but um, um, yeah, wh where would you like to take this conversation next? <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I think you're touching on a lot of topics with like exchange, but you know, I'm more interested in how how you contain your creative energy. I, I, I did mention like, you know, yeah. the relationship with your father, um, you know, your relationship with travel, but also, you know, I want to, I want to also get around to uh, booty tunes for the, the dairy air and the work that you do with music and radio, which I feel like dance and music and vibration are so much in alignment with your very early degree Pisces sun and creativity and beauty all all you've just been an inspiration to yeah. me for 20 years almost and i like i, I don't know i guess that, like what you might offer to other like pisces people yes. out there who may have some boundary stuff or 
what you've learned. Yeah. What you've oh, learned. Oh gosh. Life yeah. No. Right. Fit it in twenty minutes. Oh, no. whoa, that's <laughs> tough. Uh, I don't contain stories very well in timelines. Um, so uh, that's definitely where uh, I I have this um, as a cusp Aquarian Piscean person uh, who identifies with she, her, um, and always has with some, you know, I don't talk to many people about this, but I'm not afraid. Thanks to all of these beautiful, oh, well-represented, uh, colorful people who are willing to stand up for non-normal, non-cis hetero gender norms. Um, you know, I've, in my mind, I've had a lot of different uh, voices come through. I, I can't tell if that's my, my thespian nature or my Piscean slash Aquarian nature. Um, I've got a few things aligned in my chart to help me kind of pull from the ethers to, uh, you know, just channel this energy. But also, I'm, I, I feel malleable. Um, I can easily astral travel and um, that is definitely a blessing in disguise that I really, unfortunately, it felt like a curse all along because I didn't hone my skills and I didn't have quite the right mentors or teachers or workshops or studies or d discipline like you have throughout the years to help me tune into it better until my mid thirties, I would say. And I'm, I'm a few days short of 40 years old. So I tell you what my, um, I've had ESP dreams throughout my life, starting with puberty. That was pretty cool. Um, uh, a lot of, and for those who don't know, that's like uh, extra sensory perception. And um, it was really beautiful because 12 to 18 years old, my mom menopaused. And as any female, like, uh, yeah, female identifying person who went through puberty, uh, can we just talk about how hard it was to get along with our mothers, pretty typically speaking, pretty stereotypically speaking. So then nonetheless, um, she was menopausal while I was pubescent. And here I had my sister who was two years older than me, who was also pubescent, who also had emotional um, stuntedness. You know, she had abilities, but she had her limitations. And then a really nonchalant, like, old dad who was a World War II vet slash entrepreneur his whole life slash business owner still slash inventor. Um, you know, it was confuddling. And it was a hard time in her life uh, because my dad, who was this extraordinary visionary, who was, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm fast forwarding as fast as possible. He was a millionaire twice in his life. 
he was also bankrupt twice in his life. And let's be clear, he kind of ended on the second bankrupt. Uh, so, and you know what? He still died a happy man. So like major life lessons to learn there. But then he had the vision to pick up at the time our 114-year-old log cabin house, two-story house on its caved-in cellar basement, pick it up off of its cellar basement that leaked every spring and was full of mud and bats and mice, out in the country, out in rural southwest Wisconsin, turn the house a quarter of a turn, roll it 500 yards down to the hillside and build out a new lookout basement to capture the view of these amazing 142 acres that I grew up on. And we were um, to give every visionary out there, we lived on a ridge top not uh, uh, down in the valley. In the valley was where the fog would have to roll out in the morning before the sun would come in on a damp spring morning. So we always got to watch the, like on the ridgetop, watch the fog roll throughout all of these rolling valleys all around us. Thanks to my dad's vision of picking up the house and moving it, which he thought was going to take six weeks to set on a new basement, move back in with limitations and get going on building the basement. Well, that was the summer of 1993. And why do I always remember that is because that was the summer of the first round of hundred year floods that came to the Driftless region, which meant a six week project of us me, freshly pubescent 12-year-old, my sister who was 14 and blatantly pubescent, my mother who was just becoming menopausal, we moved out to a chicken coop that was converted into uh, basically one very large room house that we had to hook running water up to, but the, the bathroom was the porta potty up the hill. The shower was a uh, four-walled plastic uh, thing in our living room, duct taped together. We slept in pull-out beds in the living room while our parents lived up in this loft. And we had no idea we'd need heat that summer because it got so cold because of all of the floods that had just wiped through that area. Again, if you guys don't know what a hundred year flood looks like in the driftless region, just look, Google search those words. So um, it turned into a six month stay and which was converted into a beautiful guest house. Let, let it be known. But um, yes. it was a predicament and it really, um, once we finally moved into this uh, really gorgeous country estate is what anyone should call it. Us, we recognize like, can I swear on this podcast? Okay. You know. Um, Do it. <laughs> we were the first taught to acknowledge the privilege we had by 
living in such a big, beautiful home that my parents had worked very hard for because, dang it, it was definitely different from a lot of our surrounding farmers who we had grown up around, who we respected and loved like neighborhood family. But I tell you, we, we had a different life after that point once we moved back in. And we all went to different corners of the house, had the freedom to be in our own space. But I was a little weirdo. I was a country kid. I was left to my own devices. And let me remind you, since the age of six, I had already figured out ways where if I just behave like an adult and once in a while fascinate them with my childlike imagination... I will have the approval of my parents and I will, I will earn my keep in this play, in my, in my role, in this family, and I will understand who I am despite my faults. So, um, you know, uh, my mom and I had a very tumultuous relationship, her going through menopause and me being pubescent and then nonetheless having plenty of reasons to riff just like the next gal and her mom during such important stages in our life that dang it for no matter no matter how many books that are out there in this world there's just never quite the right book for you because that's not how it works when you're that age and um i really resonated with my dad all along was a very creative, inventive guy. And um, that being said, I had ventured off to college and I picked the college I did that allowed me to meet you my senior year. But I picked it because it allowed me to study abroad in the Netherlands my sophomore year and in southern Spain my senior year as well as have a Dutch art and architecture teacher teaching me while I was in Spain, while he was um, filling in for my advisor's sabbatical in Iowa. So like my Dutch teacher was in Iowa for a year while I was in Spain and Iowa. So anyway, I'm, I'm rambling on, but it's to say that like I've, I've, I did a lot of traveling then and then I um, fell in love with a guy who I proceeded to date on and off for give or take, you know, it depends on which way you want to count it. Was it six one way or half a dozen another? But either way, it was like, it was when I was 21 to 32 years old. And um I moved out to California to be with him and he put up with me breaking up with him for like a year and a half or two while I was out there exploring, being, learning, doing, and living this new California life, uh, Santa Cruz to be exact, a very artistic, eccentric. Uh, it was almost like the more eccentric I was, the more I became part of the wallpaper there because of this very eccentric town. And um, I really resonated with that for about two and a half, three years. Um, I would visit, but I really did miss this um, Midwest uh, uh, mentality that I grew up with. We were 
I, I, I remember feeling disassociated with, you couldn't always quite count on people's word. So there was this integrity of word that, of course, there were plenty of travelers and people in between that I'd meet that would re-solidify why I was out there. But there's something about Midwest people where when you ask us to do something, well, of course we'll do it. You asked us, that means you need to. Our, 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 our boundaries, <laughs> it really depends. You know, it really depends on how stubborn, maybe Germanic background you came from. Or gullible, the like Norwegian lovable folk out here versus some Russian or Polish backgrounded people who uh, I was also raised around growing up here in this corner of Wisconsin. Um, There's really this interesting variety of if you just go back two generations, you'll find that our immigrant grandparents or great grandparents moved here from other countries. So it's very like mixed European. But um, being a cusp, one degree Pisces um, sun, a Virgo moon, and a Libra ascendant, uh, Libra rising person, um, who uh, I'm coming to learn that not just Virgo moon, uh, needs has a has a need to serve. Nonetheless, my Libra rising nature has to host and make sure everyone's comfortable at the party. Does everyone have what they need? Uh, not until I learn what your needs are. Do I find what my needs are because I need for everyone else to be comfortable? Nonetheless, with my Pisces like sun, but right on that cusp of Aquarian nature and being able to almost energy interpret people to know when I just feel when something's off, you know, I, I just sense that there's something that I need to do to serve and my boundaries were shite. (laughs) Yeah. Sing it with me, laugh with me because they were shite. And then my dad got sick enough. He needed a kidney. And because he was too old, he, uh, oh, because of like, you know, a high cholesterol medication, experimental cl- cholesterol medication that he was taking throughout the 80s and 90s. Lipitor, do you have high cholesterol? You know, it was like one of those earliest commercials. He's like, hey, about that fancy commercial, uh, I hear there's a new and innovating drug come out that's going to help me with my cholesterol. I want to take it. He was just that guy. So he took it and it effed his kidneys up. And with kidney donation, if none of, if you guys don't know, you listeners, um, you never take away one of his damaged kidneys. You just add a good kidney to it. And I tell you what, listen, I was in a line amongst 50 people behind me ready to line up and find out if we were a match. But of course I was the first one who was like, guys, guys, Hey, Hey, everyone behind me in line. Don't worry. I got this. I'm looking over my shoulder. No, no, you can go home. I got this. I just, 
I know I'm here to serve my dad in this way. Like, don't worry. I haven't gotten the test yet. I'm going to be the person. Of course I was the person. I was a perfect match. And um, he was really adorable throughout the rest of our years that we got together. Um, he, he would love to tell strangers. This was, again, just the guy he is, uh, was, I should say. Uh, he would love to tell people, hey, hey, did you know that when we're together, we have the right amount of kidneys? Because he would just love the lead in and he would love to talk to strangers. And he would, so he too had, can we just be clear? I learned poor boundaries from that guy, but in a beautiful way, the way in which we can connect with strangers with open hearts and open minds and a willingness to accept we're all humans. We've all got some equalness somewhere. If, if we can't find anything, let's talk about the weather and start there. Cause I bet we got something we can agree with. So um, I gave him a kidney. This was in 2008 and it wasn't quite successful, but it turned out to be successful. He had a second and a third surgery, but through that time, um, you know, I found out through words because, you know, you learn to get energetic uh, 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 signals when you grow up in a house full of moody women who are passive aggressive as much as you are and don't use their words to help you better understand why they're coming like where they're coming from and so uh we started learning words pretty quickly of 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 thoughts and feelings and true sentiments uh didn't come up until after that after i gave my dad a kidney an organ and um, so then the next couple years were preceded by the family splitting up. Um, you know, gosh, I, I don't, I'm just going to touch on some of these things without pointing and pointing out what happened, where, with who, but um yeah, like within my nuclear family, there were lawsuits, there, there were evictions between my mother and father, which is referencing back to that time I said my dad lived with me and this on again, off again partner who I moved out to California for. And um, yeah, I'm really grateful that that partner at the time was kind enough to serve my father. Any of you who knew Erwin Bernard Meshbesher, otherwise known as Buddy, he went by Bud for short. Um, if you had the honor and the privilege and the energetic experience of, of getting to love my father, along with everyone who ever met him did. I'm telling you, um, you'd understand why I gave him the kidney. You'd understand why he had given a lack of boundaries, a good name. Um, and, and it was really, it was, it was a lot to go through to have to process our family splitting in half when my mother divorced my father after that happened and 
Um, they split up all their assets, including my father's business that he had built for over 30 years. And, um, you know, like, let's just be clear with a four letter word, shit went down. And that kidney transfer came right at the um, opening gates of my Saturn returns. <laughs> you know, the like tw year 28 of my lifetime ish. So uh, yeah, there's that. Uh, there's some validity to any of you wondering if um, what's coming up for your Saturn returns, just think of it as something big, whatever it is. And you know, through that all, I got to learn about healthy boundaries because I didn't know how to have them until I had to create them around my own family members. And that was heartbreaking. And unfortunately, I still haven't repaired all of them between my whole sister and I. My half-sister and I have really recuperated as best we know how and have a really ongoing relationship and I'm so grateful for her through the ups and downs we've been through hell and back and the beauty is is like you don't know how bad hell is until you like are able to come back and you don't know how like being back how good it feels until you've been to hell together so some of those relationships are worth repairing and let it be known I'm not saying I'll never repair my relationship with my whole sister who's two years older than me. I'm just saying I'm not able to right now. And how do I know that? Thankfully, because some shitty boundaries happened to me throughout all of my life. I didn't understand my gifts, my Piscean, Virgo, Libra nature. I didn't know what those meant for me and how I could better utilize my gifts. I didn't take time to practice the good stuff out of it. And here I am on the other side of it where I feel knowing you, my bestest friend, Lauren, who's also one of my, I feel like we've been students together. We've been teachers together. We've been a student and teacher together. We've been a teacher and student together. I, I feel like you and I are really encapsulated in many different dynamics, which is why we come into this lifetime having an ability to understand each other at all the different twists and turns and moods and attitudes we, we bring to any new thing that we're trying to conquer or uncover or, you know, just get through and, and, or, learn from you know so um yeah we're, we're really lucky how we've ended up on this side of the, the what could have been a really shitty stick because we're here in this life acknowledging the gifts that we have the the guides that have brought us to this point the mentors and teachers thanks be to ryan thanks be to jonah thanks be to diane sweet because I have uh, uh, very obviously been learning through her, through you, throughout my lifetime of knowing you for now 20-ish years. 
2003. So we're close. We're nearing our 20 year anniversary. I know. So anyway, gosh, I feel like I did a (laughs) half-ass or a full-ass job covering half of those, if not all of those points that you tried to bring up. What, what, what can I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Wow. I think, I think this is the, the fourth house story of Shana. Which represents what? Right. Which represents family. Hearing about these relationships. The, yeah, the, the fourth house is family, ancestral yeah. roots, you know, the tradition, structures, what makes us feel safe, you know. And, uh, I mean, to, to hear you express, like, all of these individual stories that's, that thread together to make who you are today, especially these pieces about, yeah. you know, knowing boundaries only through having bad experiences with them. Yeah. And as Dorothy used to say, hell is a state of consciousness, you know, you have to you have to go there to feel it and experience it and to know I don't want to live in that hell. And you are working towards creating your your heaven mm-hmm. always. You know, I, I I know how busy body you are, your hands always always having your hands on projects, mm-hmm. knowing when you need mm-hmm. to have space out time and just be the Pisces, own it. And uh, I think that you get to exercise a lot of the Aquarian tendencies combined with that Pisces and Libra, all of the things that make you you, your desire to be of service. If you're not serving, you're suffering. Uh, and you, you do so many tiny gifts. I mean, I think of the way that you move is just offering gifts to anyone who will receive them and to, to do what you are asked and to show and express your full self in each of these projects I mean, whether it's a jar of elderberry syrup that you've just concocted or, you know, fire cider, or, oh, yeah. you know, your, I think that your, mi- your mixed discs, uh, <laughs> if, if you're too yeah. young to you know what a mixed disc uh, is, see, I don't know tape, why you're listening. Uh, mixed tapes <laughs> um, prior you... to mixed CDs. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. <laughs> mixed tapes. <laughs> Right. And you've been, I mean, you've been making me mix, mix tapes since we were, we were kids, you know, like, I, I mean, I remember going to your place and you would just burn disc after disc for me. You would make mixes. You always were relishing in new music, which I, you know, if I had five CDs that I could rotate, I'd be super happy. Like I don't, I really have that kind of easy brain where most of the time I really want it quiet, especially when I'm working and writing and you, all that Aquarian energy with your Mercury there, it's like TVs on, computers on, watching a webinar while you're working on mixing sounds and typing and there's music on, like everything is happening all at once. Yeah. And that's good for you. That does not work for this body. <laughs> oh, gosh. I, yeah. uh, well, so and, when uh, did you start doing Hey, I forgot tunes? to do a, a sweet thank you call out to Dorothy as well as uh, John Tully is a man who went by the name DJT. He still does. He now lives in Sheboygan. He raised his kids here in Viroqua and uh, started the Driftless Cafe. If anyone knows kind of what we're f- our little famous restaurant here, um, the chef who took it over from Mr. John Tully, DJT, uh, is now on uh, the host of Wisconsin Foodie on PBS here in Wisconsin. So if you guys want to learn more, Luke Zom is there, Chef Luke Zom. 
So um, uh, th those are my shout outs. But DJT started back 10 years ago when WDRT 91.9 FM went on air. A uh, program on Friday nights from 10 p.m. to midnight called Booty Tunes for the Dairy Air, which, come on, that's so good. It's so good. You know, at first I was re resistant it's to good. it, but um, actually it's like, it's kind of like, it, it's so catchy. Even if somebody gets it wrong, it leaves an imprint, a lasting imprint. And um, I did not take that lightly when I joined about, I believe it was December of uh, 2012. Is that possible? No, 2014. Yeah. Uh, December of 2014, I believe it was. So I've been doing it for a little over six years now. And... Yeah, because we it's take like every other week. Or more episodes and now I have a co-DJ. They uh, are amazing. Uh, their name is Buo. Um, but Buo is amazing because Buo is like, we are um, a little bit night and day in a sense, but not at all. Uh, we both play dance music from 10 p.m. to midnight. Um so they are a like energy dancer, body interpreter, uh, question mark. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Buo is super cool. <laughs> they like move around uh, to no sound at all, but also spin records. And um, they learn from their partner who uh, goes by the name of Luisa, but also Murder Queen with a K as their DJ name. So Luisa is killer. And uh, between Buo and Luisa, they like to do sets from their living room every once in a while. So sometimes we'll get lucky and catch them doing a set together, which is so cool. Or they just both have such different skills. So like, you know, any if anyone wants to tune in, you're just going to find the biggest, most eclectic variety of dance music. And dance is interpretable. Let's let it be known. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, we both work pretty hard at it and diligently. And rarely is it a replay. Um, to the best of our ability, we're always coming up with new shows and new content. We try to not repeat too much stuff so that you're always getting a new flavor. And um, it often does match the energetic vibe because, again, Buo's really in touch with their body. Whereas I'm kind of in touch with, you know, your lessons, Lauren, Ryan's astrological readings. And, um, I, you know, I, I would like to say I'm just about to graduate from beginner status of learning about astrology so that I can utilize it in my daily life to help better set my own boundaries, better read my own energy, better be in accordance with what will serve me best. And um, because of that, we read the vibe with our set lists. So we're secretly really proud of them. 
again, this is that secret pride that like, I'm not ashamed to talk about, but it's scary putting ourselves out there into this big ether world of technology and service, especially when it's something we care about so much, which I know you, Lauren, resonate with. You even, you've been speaking about it in your previous podcasts and it's, and, and in this podcast, and I'm just, I'm so grateful, Lauren, that you're out here teaching us what it's like to um, put on your brave armor for the day and do the thing that is hard work. It's service, it's dedication, but it's also what we love the most. And it, it, it nourishes us in a way that, yeah, we might be dog dead tired at the end of the day. Like, come on, you guys, through the pandemic, try being a 39, almost 40-year-old, single, non-mother in my hometown of 4,500 people with not much reason to still be here, but no reason to move away. Female, identifying female, Who's willing to date? Lord knows I've tried. <laughs> Who's, who has to be awake on a goddamn Friday night? On a goddamn Friday night from 10 to midnight alone by myself in a, in a studio trying to spin some music to make you feel good, make you want to shake your booty, make you, make you feel like you want to get off your couch when it's just like, oh my God. Who am I even talking to? Am I just, hello, hello, hello. Anybody listening, listening, listening. <laughs> but it, <laughs> I think it's yeah. in those practices, Shana. Like, I mean, I, I started the podcast last spring yeah. based, you know, cause you were like, Lauren, do yeah. it. And I was like, no, I don't want to do it. And you're like, do it. And I was like, okay, I'll do it for Shana. Um, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, I mean, you do it yes. to find consistency. You, 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 it's like Snaps. practicing meditation every day or whatever your, whatever your rotation is with that. Just having that, that thing to sit with, be with that, mm -hmm. that you can rely on when things are uncertain around us. So to hear that you've been consistent with producing Looney Tunes at WDRT in Viroqua, um, I, I, feel like there's a, a real joy and a wisdom in that and a consistency and a practice in that to keep, keep showing up, keep showing up for your community. Cause back in 2014, it was, you know, a little bit more about like, <laughs> I just wanted there to be a cool show on Friday night. So I could be out at the Legion hall bar yeah. dancing with my friends to music that I like instead of like death right. metal or something, yeah. whatever those other musicians or <laughs> DJs yeah. play there's some really fun shows on the on the public station there but I I'm just grateful that you're still doing that and bringing that magic and the eclectic wizardry of your own musical it's just a, I mean you just have this mass library in your head and you're always seeking out new music and connecting to new music and um, you should follow her on Spotify and sign up for her playlist <laughs> and yeah. And find, 
find, I mean, WDRT, you can download it and listen to it on the archives every week. Yeah. So I, I mean, I think that's such a great way to connect with you, Shana, and a big part of your creativity, although it's only one tiny slice of the puzzle. I mean, you've done clippings work and magazine and you've been a seamstress and a chef. And I mean, you just, you're so eclectic in all the ways that you move and create. And I think your clothing really just says so much to me and your little gifts of masks made out of beautiful fabric collected from your mom's collection, albeit a tenuous relationship. And not everybody has a bad menopause, but a lot of humans with vaginas have a rough menopause. And I'm sorry that your mom and your relationship was yes. so rough during, <laughs> during the period the, of the your period, period. Your, when it. your period came. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. And um, ain't no thing because, you know, I, again, with that um, pragmatic Virgo diligence and Libra ability to just look at the flip side or be the devil's advocate, you know, um, it's, it's through that hardship that I was able to, like, taste the, you know, nirvana that's on the other side when we did get along when we did work, when we were in sync, when we did support each other in the ways we needed. So. She gave you a very strong work ethic and a yeah. love for yeah. the, the, the traditional tasks, I think. Um, sewing and I, you know, I always think of your sewing machine and that gift from her um, so that you could, that you could develop these skills and, you know, I've commissioned you for projects and you, you're always just doing, you know, you're like, oh, I like do people's hair and you've cut my hair before in an attic. And I, Aww. I just, you are such a precious soul. And <laughs> oh, yeah, somebody so get on, on I'm here. It's fine. We're available. <laughs> <laughs> now accepting dates, uh, mask only or mask required, but, uh, Yes. Right. Oh, my gosh. I can't imagine. Well, soon the weather will shift again. We're past in bulk. We're past Groundhog's Day. We're almost there. The sun was up until like five today. This is not something that Wisconsin told me about when I moved yeah. up here is that it is so yeah. damn dark. I have lost plants because of this darkness. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, well, hopefully July will be bright until well past nine and it'll yes. pay off. It's just fine. We can, we, we got this. <laughs> right. So close. <laughs> if you connected with any of this, I can't reiterate how, how kind you would be to yourself if you saved up some money to pay for whatever kind of service Lauren has to offer you. She's, she's my favorite gem I've ever uncovered in amongst the grains of sand in this life. So yeah. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> Gosh, I love you. I love Ugh, Q you. bursting into tears. <laughs> oh, Shana. <laughs> Kin is a modern mystical shop located in the heart of Des Moines, Iowa's East Village. Femme-centric at its core, Kin is a woman-owned and operated business. The shop is filled with specialty products from women-owned businesses across the country. Candles, body care, 
The shop's Venusian energy comes in as soon as you step into the door, whether it's online or in person. Ethically sourced crystals, Palo Santo and Sage are just some of the highlights, along with an exquisite collection of vintage jewelry. Shop online at kindsm.com and let them know that Lauren sent you. And that's it for this week. That was DJ Slim, a.k.a. Shana Meshbesher, my best friend. Um, you can find Booty Tunes for the Derriere at WDRT.org in the archives. It's every Friday night from 10 to midnight. Uh, so you can live stream or listen to the show anytime after the week. You will not be missing out. I assure you, this is some really good jams, really eclectic collection. She is a wizard when it comes to new music, old music, good music, period. Uh, Ryan Evans, who we spoke about, agreed to do a uh, interview with me. So we'll have evolutionary astrologer Ryan Evans on here in a couple weeks. Um, lots of great interviews with Pisces that I've been conducting this week. Um, got a chance to talk with Ash Gravity, who is a uh, Capricorn, double cancer, and they are uh, another astrologer out of Western Iowa. So really excited to share that conversation with you. So many good conversations coming up and hopeful astrology as we move further into the year, as we keep changing and shifting and moving and growing as as we humans are wont to do. I'm Lauren K. Hickman. You can find me on Instagram at Lauren K. Hickman. You can look for my work at energyinterpreter.com. Uh, you can book links uh, for written reports, for check-ins, transit readings, birthday readings. You can gift me. You can give me to yourself. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a good self-love, good self-care kind of human being. Um, Reiki, uh, you can ask me any questions that you want about that or, or just go ahead and book an appointment. Uh, this is sacred work to me and I'm so pleased to be able to offer it to you in time and space. Uh, you can hit me up over Venmo at Lauren K. Hickman. And thank you for listening. I know there's so much out there to consume and I really appreciate you making the time to listen to this work, to listen to other beings and hopefully find some inspiration. Stay inspired.